0: Uh, hey, it's nice to see you in church. Uh, you know, we had three people who have not been to church since COVID began that were here this morning in the first hour. And, uh, you know, it, they really just needed to be in church. And And I hope that we can create that kind of an environment that, you know, if we're away, we just feel like it's not, we're not whole unless we have that experience of meeting together and worshiping. and So thank you uh, for being here today. Now, today is All Saints Day. So we think about people who are older being saints of the church. Do you have to be a certain age to be a saint? You know, I don't know. Bob wants to be recognized as a saint today. Uh, as, as much as I would like to bestow that upon you, Bob, it really is about our character becoming more and more like Christ. Now, if you're celebrating Catholic saints, that, that's a whole nother criteria to, to achieve sainthood. But um, We used to s- sing a song around here, Saints Everyone. And that really is the goal of a church, is to become the saints of God. Uh, to become Christ-like followers. and We've been studying the life of Peter, and Peter is a saint, St. Peter. Uh, There's a lot of churches that are called St. Peter. I've even been to St. Peter and Paul, Episcopal Church. And and there's a lot of of, uh, churches that would go by those names. When we think about that, when we think about Peter, he wasn't always a saint. He kind of started out like you, but he is going to do great things for God. And along the way, as we've been studying his life, have you enjoyed learning about Peter? I I just like Peter so much because more than any of the other disciples, his character is revealed. And it's a true character. It's a real person, a, a human uh, who has foibles and follies and fails and And, you know, we need to understand that God is with us and he grows in us and he's causing us to become more and more like Christ, more and more solid. So today we continue and we are talking about this uh, time that Jesus had with his disciples at the Last Supper. It was kind of an important time because it was the last time Jesus was going to be with them all in a group and and be sharing with them. So it's important to look at those things. What did Jesus feel was so important to share during that time? And also we see Peter as he reveals Christ to us. Uh, He continues to make these impetuous statements about what he would do or he would not do. But today, what we'll see is he says he is ready. He is ready for anything that would come his way. Well, I would like to challenge you today. What does it mean to be spiritually ready for anything that would come our way? This week, after you leave here today, you're going to have some experiences. Are you ready for those? If somebody cuts you off in traffic, are you ready for that? On the way to church today, we're coming down Mosquito, and all of a sudden, between us and a car, we were just following right behind a little ways. A deer darts across in between our cars, and I put my foot on the brake, and I start to swerve a little, and sure enough, bam, there comes that other one. That other one came right next to the side of our car and just veered off. They, They are so agile, so quick. I was not ready for that. We did not kill Bambi. Bambi did not hit us. We did not hill hit the deer. Everything is fine. There are no animals killed in, in the revelation of this story. Okay. <laughs> well, you never know. And as prepared as we try to be, we can't seem to be ready for everything. But how are you responding? Are you ready to respond? So let's take a look at um, Peter as he becomes more and more Solid, from shifting sand to solid rock. This is John chapter 13, verse 33. Dear children, and who's Jesus talking to when he says that? He's talking to his closest followers, the 12, and he calls them his children. He says, I'll be with you only a little longer. As I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. Now, let me just tell you, Peter does not want anybody telling him where he can go or not go. Uh, You you know, you you don't tell Peter you can't come. You know, he's going to be stubborn about it. Jesus goes on, verse 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, love is the proof of the kingdom of God. It is not going to church. That is not proof of the kingdom of God in you. It's not wearing a cross. Even if you've got one of those big honking crosses with a big heavy chain, that's not proof of the kingdom of God. It's not saying prayers and praying all night, or, or, and it's not giving offerings, huge amounts, little amounts. These are all good things to do, but they are not proof of the kingdom of God. Love is. Love is the proof of the kingdom, and Jesus tells us to love like himself. Simon Peter asks, this is verse 36, Lord, where are you going? I think that's a good question. Where is Jesus going? He's going to the cross. He's going to death. He's going to sacrifice himself. He's going to heaven. He is going into his glory. And Simon says, where are you going? Because I want to go too. Jesus replies, you can't go with me now but you will follow me later. And Peter would follow Jesus, even to the cross. Uh, Peter is the disciple who is actually also crucified. Much later in life, in Rome, and he didn't feel worthy of even being crucified, so he asked the Roman soldiers to crucify him upside down. Which he was. Jesus says, but you... But, you know, you're going to fall, but not quite now. And Peter goes, well, but why? Why can't I come now, Lord? I'm ready to die for you. Now, there's no doubt that Peter loved Jesus. There is absolutely no doubt that he wanted to be with Jesus. He wanted to be with him always. And I guess he really didn't understand that there was a need for Jesus to die. In fact, he planned to protect Jesus and, and guard Jesus even with his own life. He was willing to fight for Jesus. He said he was ready to die. But this very night that the scripture talks about, Peter, Peter will demonstrate that he was not ready. Jesus answered him Die for me? I'll tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny me three times that you even know me. The other gospel writers, and I want to share a little bit about what Luke has to say about this event because he had some, some information that will help us understand how unprepared Peter really was. This is Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and following. Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon. And you know what's pretty serious when he uses his... Name and, and he says it twice. That, that, that's an indication of, hey, let me really get your attention. Like when your mom used to call you by all of your names, you knew get in there quick. But look at what he says Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Now, sifted wheat, that's kind of a peculiar illustration to us. It meant that you were going to face a se- severe trial. And not only does it say you, I mean, it's not just Peter that, that Satan has in mind to, to undermine. The Lord's warning is the plural pronoun of the word you, and the devil would attack the whole group, and he would attack Peter and use his attack on Peter as the front man to kind of get to the rest of them too. I mean, if the strong man, like Peter, is going to fail the Lord, what what hope do the rest of the disciples have? What hope do we have? Are you ready? But Jesus says something very special here in verse 32. He says, I have pleaded in prayer for you. Jesus has prayed for Peter. Jesus prays for us. He he prays for you. He says, Simon, I'm praying that your faith should not fail. Now, know this. Peter's courage is going to fail but not his faith. He is restored to fellowship with Christ, and he's even used after he repents in mighty ways for Christ and for the kingdom. So Jesus goes on and he says, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I mean, Peter's boasting here is a warning that that none of us really knows our own heart. Sure, I'll die for you. I'm willing to do whatever. And, you know, it's amazing how the Bible is filled with people who who made a commitment to God but then at some point failed. Hollywood loves to make movies about these uh, characters in the Old Testament. And, you know, if it's not a church movie, if it's a Hollywood movie, you know that they really, there's something bad to happen in order for Hollywood to pick it up. You understand that, Okay. But look at this, Um, Abraham, Abraham is a great man of faith. He is in that uh, chapter in Hebrews about the the people of faith, his greatest strength was his faith. And yet his faith failed him when he went down to Egypt and he lied about Sarah. Now, this is a peculiar situation because Sarah, who is his wife, is also kind of like like his half-sister. So he goes down there and he says now you're very beautiful and these guys they're going to see you and they're going to kill me to get you. So just say you're my sister. Which you know sort of was was kind of true. But he relies on a lie to protect himself. A faltering of his faith. You can read about that in Genesis chapter Chapter 12. Well, Moses is another one. You know, Moses is such an interesting character because he doesn't want to be a leader. And actually, there's a verse that says that Moses was so humble, he's the most humble person that ever lived. And yet he lost his temper. He lost it. He spoke harshly to the people. He hit the rock. It's a good thing he didn't hit the people. He, he, and he was not allowed to enter the promised land. Here he led the people out of Egypt. He led them in wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, which was not necessary, but by their stubbornness, they had to do it. And then, and then Moses did not get to enter the promised kingdom. David is another one. Now, David's strength was not tested by armies. It was, it, was, it was tested by battles, but his faith held. Where was David tested? But by lust for a woman on a roof, who should not have been up there taking a bath. Okay, just just saying. But David is the one. It was David's failure here. And so the Bible speaks about those who are bold and courageous and do great things for God, and yet they still have failures, Just like us. We go to church, I'm going to fully commit, and then we face temptation. And then we get a bad attitude, and Maybe some of our behavior is not what what we think a Christian ought to do, and maybe we say some words that that we really don't use. So we think about Peter. Let's not judge him too harshly, but look at what he says. Lord, I, I'm ready to go to prison with you. I'm I'm even even to die for you, with you. I, I'm ready. You know, I can't think of two worse things than prison and death, and especially in those days, because there's going to be uh, torture, there's going to be terrible treatment, and, and that's what is ahead for Jesus. Now, Peter's going to have times when he goes to jail, but he avoids it tonight. Later this night, he will lie. He will deny. So, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No doubt that Peter was brave. He had a lot of courage, but it failed him. And he did deny the Lord later that night, three times in the courtyard by the fire. But before we judge him too harshly, let's remind ourselves that we may have tests too. And we fail. Anytime we are tested, it is a chance to lay down our own desires, our own attitudes. Essentially, to lay down our lives for Jesus. So the question really today is, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to face whatever comes your way? I I was a Boy Scout for a while, and I went on a 50-mile hike. And we had to prepare for this 50-mile hike. We had to be ready. You know what the Boy Scout motto is? I was so ready for you. Were you not ready for that? We have Boy Scouts over here, and I talked to them last night and said, hey, what's the Boy Scout motto? Boy Scout marching song? Be prepared. Be ready. So we I went on this hike, and there is something. You're going for a week, and everything that you need, you're carrying on your back. In a backpack. And um, we started out, it was cloudy, it was rainy, it was miserable. We're going over Cascade Pass up north of Lake Chelan in Washington. Always rains up there in the summer. And it was dreary, and, and I'm thinking, what am I doing? I am not ready for this. But the next day it turned nice. It was beautiful and sunny on the east side of the Cascades. And uh, we it was all downhill from there, and so it was much easier hiking. We had a great time, and I got bit by something right by my eye because my whole eye swelled shut. I guess it looked really bad, but there weren't any mirrors around, so I didn't notice it, but but people tell me, whoa, that looks really bad. And there happened to be some people up there uh, who lived in that area, and, and so... I went uh, with one of the scoutmasters to this little cabin, and and the woman there had some antibiotics. She had uh, actually it was penicillin, and I didn't know if I was allergic to penicillin. Well, here, take this, and so I took the penicillin, and man, it just took care of it. But uh, that was kind of a scary. T- I didn't realize how scary a time that was, but and I and I I lived, uh, recovered, everything. I, I'm I'm still doing okay with that. So. Evidently, there was some kind of a thing that I... But I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't prepared for that. You know, you you try to be prepared for everything. But are you? And as a Christian, how can we be better prepared to serve the cause of Christ? Jesus says seven things in the Last Supper to help the disciples get ready, to help Peter get ready. And the first one is this command. That he gives. He gives a commandment. A new commandment I give you. Number one, be ready to love. Love. That's the power of the kingdom. John 15 tells us there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus said, A new command I give you love one another, love each other. And you know, it's so interesting. That's a commandment. To love. Can you be commanded to love someone? I guess you can. It says so in the scriptures. So yes, we are commanded to love. But this is not human love. This is not the Eros type of physical love. This is not filio, the kind of fam- family love. This is agape love. This is This is love humans are not capable of doing without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That kind of love only comes from God. And so it is commanded for you as Christians to love like that, to love like Jesus. Lay down your life. Give yourself, uh, your selfish ways away so that you can really love. It's, we are commanded to do this. Luke uh, 6, 27 tells us, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. So this is not just a command to love those who are lovable. This is to love those who are not. Very difficult, but it's commanded by God. We can, we must be able to love that way. And the Holy Spirit is what gives us the ability to do that. So be ready to love. Love your enemies. Love each other. Love like Jesus. Love. Number two is Jesus says, be ready to die. Be ready to lay down your life for each other. Philippians 1 tells us, for to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. I have not liked this verse of Scripture. It it, it seems, wait a second, I I don't want to die. I don't think we do. But we're talking here about living as if you're willing to die. Not very many of us are asked to lay down our lives physically. But we are asked to lay down our lives in other ways. But I want to remind you of something. I I, I know I've told you this before, but did you know that in the last hundred years, more people have physically died as martyrs in the cause of Christ than in the previous 1,900 years before that? Do you realize the numbers of people who have been persecuted and killed in the the last century is vast? Now, not in our country so much. How are we asked to lay down our lives? How are we asked to stand and be bold for Christ? That's number three. Be ready to stand. Be ready to hold up to the cause of Christ. 1 Corinthians 16 says, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Uh, As you look this up, as you look at the armor of God, put on the armor of God, that's all about being ready for battle. Put on that helmet. Have faith. Have strength. Make sure the word of God is with you. And, And all those things are meant for you as a Christian to be ready for what the world and what Satan might throw your way. Look at here's what Peter wrote later on in in 1 Peter 5:8. Stay alert. Watch out for your enemy the devil. He prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. So be ready to stand. Be ready to love, be ready to die, but be ready to stand, to stand up. And number four, Jesus says, be ready to follow. You say you're going to follow me? Well, be ready to follow. Luke 6.22 says, what blessing awaits you when people hate you and exclude you? Wait a second, that doesn't sound like a blessing. Somebody hates you and, and excludes you, mocks you, curses you. That doesn't sound like a blessing. Even when they curse you as evil. Oh, here's the blessing. It's because you follow the son of man. If, if you're cursed just for being yourself, that's on you. But if you're following Jesus, that's not back. That's going to be back on them. We are to follow, regardless of what other people might do, regardless of of who goes with us or who stands up against us. So be ready to love, be ready to die, be ready to stand, and be ready to follow. Because you know that there's going to be a moment when, number five, you're going to face the truth. So be ready when you have to face the truth. 2 Corinthians 13.8 says, For we cannot oppose the truth, but must always stand for the truth. We are glad to seem weak if it helps show that you are actually strong. We pray that you will become mature. Now, let me tell you what happens in our lives as Christians. We become a Christian and all of a sudden we're just flooded with all kinds of information about what Christians do. What happens when we're early in our faith is we read something in the Bible, we go to a Bible study, we hear it in church. We hear a truth and we go, oh, that's great. I am going to do everything I can and I'm going to allow God to put that truth into practice in my life. That's what we do when we're young Christians. We, we don't know any better than to obey. We hear the truth and we put it into practice. Trust and obey. There's no other way. But after a while, we get to this place and it gets a little harder. We face a truth that's a little more difficult to put into practice, and we need help. We need other Christians to practice it. We need to, to, to meet together to practice it. We, we need the Holy Spirit to practice some truth. And that's a real danger for Christians because if we say, well, later, uh, I, I want to do that, but I just can't do that right now. I want you to know as long as you're a Christian, you're going to be receiving new truth. Now, God's good. He's not going to give you any truth that's too hard for you and he to to handle together in your life. But let me tell you, you are going to face new and more challenging truth. The, The question is, are you going to obey it? Are you going to put it into practice? That's facing the truth. That's applying it to our lives. And when we do that, we become more and more like Jesus. Ephesians tells us in chapter 4, verses 21 through 23, Since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Let me tell you another thing here. The, the longer we're Christians, the longer I'm a Christian, my actions are getting more and more controlled. They're controlled, well, there's some actions I don't do because I'm a pastor and the pastor shouldn't do those things. You know, Whether I want to do them or not, I just don't do them. Okay. Uh, Some people have asked me things, and I say, no, I I don't do that because I'm a Christian. So it's easier to get our actions kind of under control at some point. You know what's hard? is our thoughts and our attitudes. Because even we as Christians can have these private thoughts. Oh, did I say that out loud? Big mistake. (laughs) But our attitudes, as we get control of our actions, we get this attitude of self-righteousness. Watch out. Because there's going to some, be some truth that's going to come along and slam you right in the attitude, and you need an adjustment. And and God will give you the strength, and He'll give you the the teaching, and the and He'll bring people around you. As a matter of fact, I love it when I have a bad attitude, and so many people come right in my way to bring out that attitude. What are you doing, God? Well, I'm trying to rough off some, I'm smooth off some rough places in your life. So anytime you face any kind of difficulty like that, just consider it all joy because God's doing a work on you. Yay! What a beautiful place to say amen. Number six. This gets a little personal now because it's to be ready to repent. Jesus said to Peter, now you're going to mess up, but you're going to come back. And when you do, when you've repented, you're going to be used mightily. And, and I want you to, to repent and, and come back. And look at 2 Corinthians 7, 8, and 9. Paul has written a letter to the Corinthians because they were messing up. And so he really wrote a very pointed, strong-worded letter. And he says this about that letter. I'm not sorry, that I sent that severe letter to you. Have you ever gotten a severe letter from someone? A a, a correction from someone? Maybe maybe they said it to your face. Have you ever gotten that? Uh, Look at what he follows up with. I was kind of sorry at first that I sent you that letter, for I know that it was painful to you for a little while. I think about who who has the ability to inflict us with the most pain. It's really the people that we're the closest to that we love the most. There's going to be time when you are going to be confronted. You're going to be held accountable. I think it's wonderful to go to a Bible study where there's accountability. Have you ever gone to a Bible study where you had to do homework? Most Bible studies, you'll have some homework to do. Let me just tell you very kindly and sweetly, do your homework. You're going to enter into that Bible study way better if you do your homework. And if you don't do your homework when you get to that Bible study, just be quiet. Don't speak. You need to just listen because you haven't done your homework. I'm, I'm okay. We need to realize where are we going. What, what am I doing in my life that I'm making more important than reading the Bible and praying and, and, and being a part of, of the things God wants me to do? Repent. Stop going my way, self, the way of self. Turn around. That's what repent means. Turn and go the other direction. Stop going the person way and go the God way. Repent. Now, I'm not here to tell you where each of you need to repent. God, by His Spirit, will do that. It's called conviction. Uh, Although, when you go to church, you might get a little conviction. When you go to a Bible study, there might be some truth that's presented to you that you need to put into practice. Do it! Then you'll become more like Christ and be more useful to the kingdom. So be ready to repent. Don't be ready to rebel. Number seven, last one. Be ready to encourage. Peter's told, Look, you're going to mess up, but you're going to repent and then encourage. You know, I am so glad when God has done some good thing in my life and I've failed, but then I repent and then I can come to church and tell you about it and be an encouragement to you. You know, you're not interested in my successes, you're interested in my failures. And, and I think that's the way of re- reality with, the, with one another. So we are to encourage each other. And you know what? Overcoming failures, being weak and letting God be strong, that's a way to encourage too. Second Corinthians 13.11 says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace then the God of love and peace will be with you. You know, it's, it's like as we are being what Christ has called us to be, I mean, ready to love, to die, to stand, to follow, to, to face the truth, to, to repent if needed, and there's always a need and to encourage one another. When we do that, that's when God is really in our midst. That's when other people see the church as the body of Christ, and they want it because that's not what the world offers. We've got something so much better that the world needs, and it is being the body of Christ, being a loving, kind, generous people. So, in just a moment, we're going to be receiving communion, and we invite you to receive a little cup and and then to hold that, and we'll all take that together. But how do I get ready. What are the things that I need to do to be more fit for the kingdom, to, to follow Christ more closely? And here's just several things I want to give you very quickly, all right? The first thing is that we have to practice. We have to, to, to do what the NFL does. You know, the NFL, the, those guys, they, they have a game and, and um, they succeed or fail, but you know what they do the next day? They practice, They go over films. They get their mind sharp. They keep their body uh, tuned up, and and they practice, practice, practice so that they can play for a couple of hours on Sunday. So if, if they need to practice, we need to practice. I think this is great for pastors, too. We need to practice what we preach. Make an effort to do what you already know. God will give you more to practice. Keep practicing that and you'll become more and more like Christ. Not because you try to become like Christ. You just do the everyday things that he's challenging you to do, and you automatically, through that, become more like him. One of the other things that's really good is to study scripture, to read the Bible, and to do what it says. I like this. Whenever I read a passage, there's usually something in there, and so I want to ask myself, God, what are you trying to say to me? What do I need from this passage to to hear and to put into practice in my life? The next thing is, how do I get ready? I pray. Some things you just have to pray. And not just tell God what you need, but listen to what God would have you do, what he tells you to do. If you're going into an encounter, I I, I can't tell you how many times this has happened. Um, Maybe there's been a, a... a Difficulty in relationships with somebody, and somebody's coming in to see me, or I'm going to see someone. And, and if I pray, Lord, help me, give me wisdom in this situation, and I, I'm amazed at how they'll come in, and there's no problem at all because God's already dealt with it. What a crazy thing! I wish that happened all the time because it doesn't. But if I pray, and then I'm more ready to face whatever God would have me face. And if you don't pray, you may not be ready. The next one, I'm using this one phrase, all encompassing for a lot of different things that we do as Christians. And and it's the phrase attend church. That doesn't mean just come on Sunday morning for an hour. What that really means is get into the life of the body of Christ. Be faithful in participating, Uh, be in a small group where you're held accountable and where you can be real and, and you can share uh, your failings and your, and your successes and, and there's rejoicing and, and celebration in all of that and encouragement in all that. So attend church means to really be a part, be a part of a ministry where you're sharing and doing something for the kingdom of God. Attend church. There is something even in just coming and, and sharing this. Uh, I was amazed at these who were able to be in church this morning for the first time in many, many months. And they said, I needed to be here. You know, that's the sense that I want us to have. Um, You know, uh, some people will say, oh, pastor, I've really missed being in church. And you know, some people tell me they're watching online, and I think that's great. Blessings to all of you who are watching online, and, and you, you don't get to be able to be here and be a part of it, but God bless you in all of that. It, it, it is not in, in just being with each other. It's being with Jesus. And somehow when we all meet together, He is here. The next thing, how do we get ready? We need to forgive. If, if you've got something you're holding against someone, you need to forgive that. If, you, if somebody comes to mind right now, you just need to say, Lord, help me forgive them. I don't forgive them, but I do forgive them. But Lord, help me because I don't forgive them. You know, it's, it, it's a thing you must forgive even when you don't feel like it. And something happens when God enters into that. So practice forgiveness. And especially if there's someone who doesn't deserve it. And if they don't even ask for it and, and, they, and they've hurt you and you can grant forgiveness anyway. There is power in forgiveness. And then one more thing that I can do to really get ready to follow God that is to minister. There is something that happens when we do something for others, not for what we get out of it, but just for the benefit of others when we minister. As a Christian, automatically, as you've been a Christian for a while, there is going to be this overwhelming, developing growth within you that is going to require you to minister because it's not going to go away. You're going to want to do something for God. You're going to find a way to minister. And the Holy Spirit builds that in us. When that happens, do it. Find a way to do something for Jesus. Minister to someone. It it could be somebody who's needy, not hard to find people who are needy. Uh, Try not to judge them, forgive them, and minister to them. Uh, Find someone. You know, I would just challenge you during this month of November to do something in a a ministry way and, and just out of thanks to God, find somebody and do something nice for them. And if they say thank you, great. Um, It was interesting because uh, actually Steve Reese told me a little story. Uh, Colette and I went trick-or-treating last night, Um, and we did reverse trick-or-treating. We got to go to a few people's houses, and and when we were there, um, we said, trick-or-treat, and you know what? Some people didn't want to open the door. Uh, It was dark. Their their house looked all dark. I went anyway because, you know, that's that's who I am. And and so I'm knocking on the door, and usually if Colette went to the door with me, she'd say, it's Pastor Steve, it's okay to open the door, because they weren't going to open the door. But I'm doing the trick-or-treat kind of a way as, who could be out here? Who's come to get you? Look out, you know. So anyway, um, we, we we woke some people up at, at six o'clock and got them to come to the door, <clears throat> and we gave them a little package of M&Ms, and it was, it was great. And and they were glad to take that. They, most of them invited us in, and we said, no, no, we got to keep going because it was, it was getting dark. And, um, and so, so we went on. But Steve told me this uh, thing. Steve, is it okay if I, what can you say now? Um, he, was at, he was a camp counselor one time. And as, as the kids came in for chapel, they were all given a piece of candy. And, and then they were told either to sit on one side or the other side. And, and Steve's telling me this last, last night because I went over and gave candy out, and and um, and I noticed some people said thank you. I, I didn't really notice if people were saying thank you or not, but but I did notice that uh, somebody said, "Now, what do you say to Pastor Steve?" Uh, "Oh, thank you," you know. And, and we have to learn this, right? But in an attitude of gratitude, if you can do that. Steve told me the rest of the story. It's a great story. You'll have to hear it from him sometime. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. He said, when the people at the door were handing the candy to the kids coming into chapel, if they said thank you, they were sent to one side. If they didn't say thank you, they were sent to the other side. And then what was the lesson? What was the, the, the um, Bible study on that night? Being thankful. Steve did also confess that he was on the side that did not say thank you. But in that moment, it taught him something. And he really thought about saying thank you. It was a lesson that he took to heart. I know some of you moms and dads are constantly trying to get your kids to say please and thank you. Good for you. Me, as your pastor, I'm I'm wanting you to say please and thank you to God. And to live thank yous. Right now, we're going to receive communion together. This is a way that Jesus gave us to remember him and to remember what he has done for us, to be thankful for it, and to share this good news with others. So if you'll just take and peel off this top little layer, there should be a little wafer that's right there. Highly pressed and processed bread. Unleavened bread representing the body of Christ. This night when Jesus did this teaching, he knew that the disciples had to be ready for what was going to happen the next day. He was going to be killed, crucified on the cross. And he took this piece of bread, they'd been eating bread, and he took it and he broke it. And If you can do that, I invite you to do that. And he said, when you eat this, as often as you eat the regular, most staple item of life, as often as you do that, remember me. Because Jesus was going away, and they couldn't go with him. But they could remember what he had said and done, and they could be a part of it. They could be part of the kingdom of God. And so as you take the bread, may all of this enter into you as well. Eat the bread. And he took a cup of wine and he passed it around them and he gave it to them and he said, This is my body. This is my blood, which is poured out for you, which is shed for you to cover your sins. And so we remember in taking this cup in just a moment that Jesus Christ died in order to forgive our sins, not just so you could have your sins forgiven, but then you could go out and tell other people the good news, forgive them, love them, so that they could know Jesus too. And so with thanksgiving, Lord, we thank you for this cup, for it represents our freedom from sin, your love for us. And as we take this, we remember you. Take the cup. Communion. A new commandment. Love. These were things that Peter and the rest of the disciples needed to learn. So that they could pass them on to others, who in turn would pass them on to others, who would pass them on to others, who eventually would come down to you. So that you could receive this good news and pass it on to others. Are you ready? I don't know what you're going to face this week. Are you ready? Are you ready to have a good attitude way beyond your own ability? Are you ready that when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you don't say or sign anything special to them? But maybe God bless you. That's what we're here to do, folks. And this is a great month of Thanksgiving to celebrate every day by doing something for someone, whether they say thank you or not. But you be aware of every time someone does something for you and be sure to say, thank you. Not just to that person, but thank you, God. Thank you for entering into my life and helping me to be ready to meet whatever need you would present to me. You live with some tough people. You'll encounter some difficult. Be ready, and God will be with you. And even in the difficult things of life, God will get glory. God bless you. You're dismissed.